once again to be in the house of the Lord and we have some friends with us today. <clears throat> we want to have visitors. We want to say God richly bless you for being here with us. Amen, my dear friend, Brother Marcus and Sister Anne Zeller. God bless you for coming to the house of the Lord with us this evening. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's go to our Bibles and let's turn to Joshua chapter 1 and we're going to read verse 8. Amen. Joshua chapter 1, reading verse 8. Amen. <clears throat> We're going to be speaking about Moses, maybe, and I feel like I'm ringing in the microphones like Moses. Amen. Praise the Lord. Joshua chapter 1, reading verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Can you say that last two words with me? Good success. May the Lord bless you and may you have your seats this evening. You know, I'm standing here and you wouldn't believe how happy I am to see all of you. Amen. You know something? You come to the house of God by choice. It's free moral agency. And to have you come back on the evening service, we thank God for you. I'm looking at the scripture again, and we spoke this morning, and I, I don't want to repeat myself. I, I want to move forward. And, but we were speaking this morning that on a little thought of, I will be with you. I'll be with you. And we read in, in the first part of Joshua that spoke, as I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. And that is a, a wondrous thing to ponder because we, if we were in the time of Moses, we would reflect on how, that, how God had been with Moses and raised Moses and brought Moses to a place where he would be a deliverer of the children out of Egypt. And we would see the miracles and the signs and the wonders that God had moved behind the ministry of Moses. And we would ponder and say in those words, God speaking, as I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you. And we've seen in the hour that we live in, we have seen the word of God come in its fullness. It's been preached to us in a great mighty way through Malachi 4 prophet. And we can say the same, as I was and as I spoke in this age, so shall I be with you. As we have seen the miracles and the signs and wonders in our time, God is not dead. He is very much alive. And God hasn't died with any just one man, but God's voice is still speaking. It is still registering. It's still moving. God's voice is still saving. God's voice is still healing our diseases. God's voice is still delivering us out of Satan's clutches. 
And so we stand upon this Word of God and we build upon the cornerstone, which is Christ Jesus. When we have a firm foundation and we begin to build on that firm foundation, we cannot fail, we can only prosper. And here we read uh, the Lord speaking and telling uh, Joshua that this book of the law shall remain. It shall not depart. The word of God must not depart from the frontals of your mind. It does not just belong in your memory and in your memory palace to bring forth uh, thoughts and ideas. No. It needs to come, drop down in your heart and it needs to come on the outside that your flesh is ruled by the Word of God. You see, that which is on the inside of the soul is that which rules the members of your body. It rules the spirit man, your memory, your conscience, your reasoning. It rules the outer flesh. It rules who you are. And we need to allow God's Word, His voice, to rule our every part of our lives and our all of our existence. So let not this word depart. Let, let it not sit on your shelf. Let it not just be idle. Let it not just be a showpiece. May it not be something that you walk by every day and maybe bow to or think about as something special, but allow it to be in your mouth. Uh, have it be part of your everyday speech. Let it be part of your supper table conversations, family. Let it be a part of you as you go, as your family gathers in a family altar. May you speak about the Lord. When you're driving down the road and it seems like a Monday drive all the way down to Bellingham or all the way down to Seattle or wherever you might come from and there's nothing there to excite you, may the Spirit of the Lord be that which is inside of your being that you could talk or express your feeling to your family or express your desires to the Lord Jesus. That you might meditate therein day and night, and thou mayest observe according to all that is written therein. Let's read our Bibles and look what happens in the Old Testament and begin to apply it to our everyday life. Now, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will be with you, even in you, Jesus said, to the end of the world. He will be with us and guiding and leading us. And we read in scriptures, Jesus so comforting to us. He says, I'm going to go away, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to just leave you stranded. I'm not going to just let you wander around in darkness, not knowing where to go, like that which man that is blind and feeling and trying to figure things. No, I have a provision for you. I have a provided way. I have a, have a way to give you directions. I've got, to, I've got a, a GPS for you to follow. And if you just follow it, you will enter into the promised land. Now, we have an inheritance. We have a promised land. And we are possessors of that promised land. Now, now remember, as I said this morning, as we read our Bibles and we read the message for the hour for our day that William Branham has spoken and God has given that through us through a voice. And we realize that the entire theme of the Bible, the entire theme of, for us today is to possess the land. 
to know your inheritance, to recognize that you have been elected. You have been chosen. That's that word elected. You're part of the team. You have been chosen. You've been elected before the foundation of the world. You have been predestinated. God already saw you before time and has chosen you. Now, in your predestination, you don't have the desire to sin. You see, you have free moral agency, and you could go off the road. You could take a detour and anywhere you want to go. But your desire is not towards the detour, towards Satan's Eden. Your desire is focused on, Lord, where is the path? How can, how can I go? Uh, my, my thoughts, Lord, are upon you. My desires are, are upon you, Lord. And so you don't have to feel in your predestination that you're going to wander and get, you know, self-satisfied. No, a real child, son and daughter of God has a full desire of God to please God. We're likened to children in the Scripture. And also we were likened to a wife, the bride of Christ. And any bride, any real woman naturally desires to be a pleasing wife to her husband. Just the same as the husband desires to please his wife. And so as a husband and relationship goes forth in the spiritual, we see that we, the bride of Jesus Christ, only desire one mate. We desire and, our, and we have one desire and that's him alone and that's Jesus Christ. And he himself has great desire and he's watching out for you as, as his bride, making sure that you will not fall into the traps of Satan. He has given us the wisdom of the end of the book. You are not wandering no more in darkness, but the word of God has been opened before you. The mysteries are no longer mysteries. The whole book is open to you. The only part of the scripture that has not been revealed to us or shown to us is the time or the hour that our Lord Jesus will come. But the book is open before you to recognize that you are part of that book and you are part of his bride. That your name is written. Hallelujah. My, this mission make a shout. Our names are written on the Lamb's book of life. Your name has been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. Your sin has been blotted out. When God looks at you, friends, you ask me why I'm happy tonight and how I could click my heels and praise God. It's because when I look at the book, I see the remembrance of my sin. But when he sees it, he sees it's justified and it's sanctified. He sees himself covering all of my sin and trespasses. Oh, praise his name. And what he says to you and I is because you know who you are and you've come to that place of maturity of knowing who you are, it's time for you to possess every promise, every part of the inheritance. You need to walk in the land. You need to come out of the, uh, you know, out of the outer courts and not just wander there in fellowship. You need to move forward into the inner court. But friends, it's not just there a, a little experience there in sanctification. But no, the call is move forward. The call is come up a little higher. The call is you've got an inheritance. The call is you are a word bride. 
Come into the holies of holies. Come into that place and that Shekinah place where the ark is, the word is, where the showbread is, where the, where the living life is, where life extends. That's where you belong. And that is in God's promises in his promised land. So the entire theme of the scripture is possessing and living in your inheritance. The inheritance that God has given you. It's our promise of inheritance. It's not just a piece of land like natural Israel, but it is a spiritual inheritance that you will walk in his precepts and receive yourself in an Eden condition again. Now you say Eden condition again. I want you to point out just a moment that when, when Adam began to speak, all of the earth obeyed his voice. Amen. Friends, I want to tell you that all the earth was subject unto the voice of Adam. Amen. This is the, the Adam, the, 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 the back to Eden conditions that, that we are coming to or into if you have a, a life that is consecrated and yielded to Almighty God. We've seen the first weave shape in this hour that was stuck in a storm. And he stood there and he said, storm, you need to stand still. It's the same one that spoke to Joshua. Tell the, tell the, the sun to stand still. And, and, and the sun stood still. We've seen this condition happen where we're, we're hunting for squirrels. And, and the squirrels were created right in front of the prophet of God. It's that, that, that spiritual uh, entrance into the Eden conditions. And that is the place you and I need to come to in our lives. <clears throat> Do you realize in these end time conditions, it, at the coming of the Lord, there, there's a time where... There may be a, a bit of a squeeze come against the bride. Before we go up, friends, there's, there's a bit of a squeeze that comes before to the bride. And we need to come into a place where we begin to speak. And when we speak in a maturity as adopted children of God, that we can literally do and control the things that God would have us to design to control. What do you say? What do you mean, Brother Steve? If there needs to be food upon your table, you can begin to pray and say, Lord, by your word, I need nourishment. And whether food appears uh, miraculously on your table or a coin like out of a fish's mouth or somebody knocks on your door and brings food to your home, God will provide every need that you have by the spoken word of your lips. Do you believe it? This is where we're coming to. This is where the bride needs to come to. That she knows her placing, her authority. Now, I want to look at this for just a moment because as possessors of the land, we recognize that we're not living in the time of, of, of millennium or we're not in heaven. We could read that as we read this morning. And Brother Branham lays it out. He says in the paradox, he says, I don't want to disagree with the scholars. But many hold that the promised land represents heaven. It could not represent heaven. It could not. Because they had wars and troubles and frustrations. Now, we mentioned that this morning, that all of us have gone through frustrations. Many of us have felt like we've been just in a mess many times. And, and, 
you've read the newspapers and you've seen how that men have gone out of their minds and they go into churches and start shooting churches up or schools or hospitals or we can read what's happening over in other lands of wars and also rumors of wars and we recognize that we're not in a heaven condition or we're not in a millennium condition. The millennium condition is a condition where the, 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 the enemy, Satan, is bound by a chain of circumstance and, and the lion that usually tears meat apart. You can go to him and he'll eat out of your hands the grain. Friends, that's not happening right now. So we're in a time where there are still wars and rumors of wars where it couldn't represent heaven. It could not because they had wars and troubles and frustrations and everything in the promised land. It does not represent the promised land. In adoption three, as I'm just slightly recapping, Brother Brandon will say, now how Moses brought the people out of Egypt, the garlics and the leeks out and gave them, them a place to where God had promised 400 years or or 400 years before that, that he would bring them into a place, a goodly land flowing with milk and honey. Now, this land, we're going to get in just a moment, it was given by Abraham to God, from God to Abraham. And Moses knew of this land that was going to be flowing. It was a goodly land. It was a, good, it was a place that they were promised to have. And any, uh, you know, Israeli, anyone knows that in order to receive the blessings of God, they need to be in their land. We, we notice there that... <clears throat> When, uh, when, uh, when, when uh, Ruth and Naomi, we talk about Naomi, when they left the land, the promise, what happened, they suffered. They should never have left the promised land. But when they left, they suffered, and it cost her her boys. But when she returned back with Ruth, the promise was back in her hands. It was back in her place because she was called and chosen and elected for that land. And you and I are chosen and elected for this spiritual land where it flows with the presence of God that we can live in freedom and liberty and enjoy. Are you with me tonight? I'm screaming at you. Praise the Lord. I'm just happy. I, I want you to notice when they were in Egypt under taskmasters, they were being whipped. They didn't like it so much. But when they got into their new land with the Joshua ministry, friends, they quite enjoyed being in that land, yet they still had to fight every inch of it. And we are under a, a, a Satan's Eden. Everything around us here is borrowed. It's Satan. He's squatting upon God's land. Everything here, this is God's land, but I want to tell you, Satan has come in, and God's gave him a space of time that he can be here, and he can rule this land. But, and he's really put the whips to God's people. I don't know about you, but it seems like God's people get an extra little bite of the whip. A little extra, a little extra. One extra, you know, he tries to put another brick or another extra upon you so that, you, you, you know, your desires are not for the Lord. But listen, we're supposed to be living in a promised land. Amen. We need to recognize that we're free. You're no longer under a, 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 the, the taskmaster and the whipped any longer. You know, uh, when the rising of the sun, the Lord Jesus, we call it, when, when, when that rising of the sun came and you saw who he was, you became free. Amen. Your shackles were cut off. Yeah. 
But we learn about a little story about Johnny Crow. How many remember, remembers old Johnny? And Johnny had been flying, and the farmer got really tired of the crows, and so he caught hold of Mr. Johnny, and he tied him down on a, a, a little leash onto a post. And every time that Johnny tried to fly up, he couldn't get up to the heavenlies where he wanted to be. Oh, well, what a mistake. He should have never been in, in the farmer's field anymore. And, you know, finally, after some time, the farmer was a little bit sad and, and desired, and he let uh, jo Johnny go, cut his cord. But there was something in Johnny's mind that, that gave him memories that he could only reach so high of an altitude. This is where a lot of believers are. You know, they're, they're afraid of a lot of things. There's a lot of fear in the hearts of the believers, you know. They're afraid that if they move too high in the Lord somewhere, that they're going to lose themselves or, 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 or become fanat in fanaticism somewhere. Listen, friends, we've got the Word of God that tells us that where to stand and how free we ought to be and, and how we can live. There's nothing to fear no longer. In fact, in the house of God, Brother Brandon would say somebody might go desire to get excited and maybe shout a little bit. And Brother Brandon would remind us, well, there'd be enough wet blankets in the house of God to put out that fire if it got too, oh, oh, too, too flambacious, you know? Well, friends, we ought to become to a place where we enjoy the milk and we enjoy the honey, we enjoy the fruits of the land, we enjoy what God has given to us. How many likes a dead religion? No. no. Brother Brandon would tell us, you know, you got a dead religion? Well, you just bury it. It's dead. Yeah. You know, we, we don't want to come to these places where they're so dead and dry that they're just a synagogue of Satan either. We want to have a place where in spontaneity, yeah. I like to underline that word, in, spontane in spontaneous worship, yeah. nobody needs to work you up. Uh, we talked about fellowship this morning. That, that fellowship or consecration to God doesn't require music. It does not require singing. Worship before the Lord is like Abel's offering. The Lord said, offer a lamb. He caught a revelation that it needed to be a lamb. And he took that lamb and he began to beat on it because it was needed to be blood that would cover sin. He saw, he saw by revelation that it needed to be blood. It wasn't a pretty sight. It wasn't full of flowers. It wasn't full of beautiful things. It was a messy sight. Now, you and I would look and compare Cain's offering to Abel's offering. And hands down, we would take Cain's offering. Because it was beautiful. It was vibrant. It was full of life. It had all kinds of vegetables that he had worked with. It had all kinds of beautiful flowers that are of the field. And he just was a real flower arranger and a vegetable arranger. He just laid it all out there and it was flowing all around the altar. And my, if you were going to his church, you would be, you would be excited because, you know, they have just the right lights and they have the smoke machines and everybody's standing with the right pitch and the tone and doing everything just right and you know something they have the sermon you know for 30 minutes and and, and you know prayer for the sick for three and a half minutes and, and and you know maybe counseling for the rest of it and they have an organized service in such a way and at the end of an hour they say amen and everybody rejoices why because they get to go home well you know this is the type of worship that the world has today 
it looks sincere. It looks beautiful. It looks like something that God would really hold on to and really enjoy. But I want you to notice, God wasn't in Cain's offering. God was in Abel's offering. It wasn't pretty, but it was an offering by revelation. It was something that struck the depths of his heart. And he did it with the sincerity not just to kill an animal. He had no desire to destroy a lamb. But he recognized that was the only thing that was going to cover the sin of his family. His sin of of what was happening right around him. So it is with the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not pretty. We talk about blood in the Bible. It's a bloody book. We see a scarlet cord running all the way through the Bible. It's not pretty, friends. It's not something that you could sit there and go, wow, wow, no. But that blood is life because life is in the blood. And to have that life that's in the blood causes us to walk in possession of the very land that we're supposed to enjoy. Praise His name. And so we read in this, back in this quote, <clears throat> here we see it was a land flowing with milk and honey, and, and Moses led the children of Israel right up to that land. But he didn't take them over. And Jesus, to the spiritual, now we're talking spiritual, to the people that will, we've been promised a Holy Spirit since the beginning. Jesus led us to the promise. Now remember, Now, in your your thoughts in Scripture, Jesus led us to the promise, but the Holy Spirit came as Joshua. Now, in your spiritual mind, you recognize that Jesus came and he died for our sins and, and he rose again. But at the day of Pentecost in chapter Acts, in in Acts chapter 2, we read that the Holy Spirit came amongst the people. Now, who was that? It was Christ the Word coming again amongst the people. It was a different manifestation. It wasn't flesh now, but it was His Spirit that came amongst the people. And He said, I won't leave you. I'm going to usher you in like Joshua. I'm going to take you into the promised land. Praise His name. But the Holy Spirit came as Joshua to take him over and lead and direct and possess the land or possess the church. And, and, and I'm reading a little bit, and I apologize, but I just feel like to read. In Adoption 4, 1960, Moses, began, uh, being a type of Christ, led the children up to the promised land, and Moses did not take the children of the pro- uh, in the promised land. Joshua, now remember, Joshua is our type of the Holy Spirit. Joshua took the people in and divided up the land. Under the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we are shown our position, where we are, what we attain, how we attain, how we are in the program of God. Listen, let's not fight once amongst each other and say, well, you know something, I want their land. I want to have this. I want to have their gift. I want to do this. I want to, no. God has got a specific will and a specific assignment for you and I to, 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 to work forth in his promises. We're all part of the body. None of all of us can be eyes. We can't be prophets. None of us can be prophets. 
And none of us all can be, you know, toes and a part of the feet. No, we are a body of Christ walking in step with the Word of God. Praise the name of the Lord. So let's go forward just for a moment. If we look now in Genesis chapter 12. Now we want to possess the land, but we first need to know where we came from or, or what, what our inheritance is. And we can see our inheritance here in Genesis chapter 12, uh, reading verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, now that's Abram before his name was changed to Abraham. And the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country. And from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show you. Right. Now, we're walking by faith now. Yeah. Now, Abraham hears the voice of God. Now, the, the walk of God and possessing the land is by faith. You really got to trust God. You can't just half-heartedly think, oh, well, I read the Bible, and I pray a little, and I live a good life, and I'm pretty moral, and I, that's all I need to do. No, you need to have real faith to walk and to possess the inheritance of God. So the Lord speaks, get out, get out, get out. You got to leave. You can't, you know, you can't get a land here. This land does not belong to you. Now, now knowing that Abraham was a Gentile and his father was a, a craftsman and he made other gods and so forth, I want you to notice that God wanted him to remove himself right out of that situation. I want you to leave your father and your mother. What do you mean? That's my protection. That's my part of my inheritance. If I leave them, my natural inheritance is sold. It's gone. It's forfeited. But God said, I've got a spiritual one and I also have got a natural land for you to go to but I'm going to show you where it's at so brother Branham says this in 1954 in the unconditional covenant of God he says get thee out from amongst thy kindred and from and from amongst thy people and I'll bless you see there's a blessing and I'm, I'm telling you you can't God calls for a separation yeah. now now friends we're speaking spiritually here God wants you to separate yourself from all unbelief. Now, re remember, it just comes to my thoughts just now. When, when Jesus, there was a, one that was dying, and Jesus needed to go in and pray and heal that which was dying. Remember from Scriptures, he's commanded the family to be removed. Why? Because they had a doubt in their heart. They could not walk by faith. They, they could not receive, and they were hindering the promise for healing. So we got, to, we got to recognize spiritually that we have to separate ourselves from all A-L-L, -L, all unbelief. Anything that causes you to disbelieve God's word. Now, now we all suffer from different things. What, what would cause me to doubt is something different that will cause you to doubt. And you know in your heart, I don't have to follow you, you know, as, a, as kind of a reality thing to kind of figure out where, where your thing is, is hindering. No, you know yourself exactly, exactly what hinders you to overcome and to possess your inheritance. Do you, do you believe that? And so God wants, he got calls for a separation. The world wants mixers. 
you know, we, we've seen that all through history. You, you can see it even a, a reflection in the time of Christmas, you know. We, we very well recognize that Christ was never born in December, but, but the church at the time, the Catholic church at the time, they desired to influence and have more people come in their congregation. And many of the people that Rome was, was uh, conquering was the Gauls and the Saxons, the different ones. And, and they begin to see what their religions were. And so they begin to say, well, we could mix the, this Yule law with this and bring it together and we'll call you know the Jupiter we believe in Jupiter the, uh, the sun god and, and, and Mars and the different ones and we're going to just, just kind of melt it all together and we're going to call it Christmas and, and the Christians will worship Jesus isn't that good the Christians will worship Jesus and the pagans will worship the God of the heavens and mythology. And you know what? We all can come to church under one roof and we just need to worship what we believe. We'll call it a higher power. Or we'll call it what, a, a superness. Or we'll call it an awesome presence. Or we'll call it, you know, whatever you want to call it, we're just going to mix it all together. But have you ever tried to mix oil and wine? Oil and water, sorry. Yeah. Not wine. I don't, I don't drink wine. Uh, but, but oil and water. You put it together, you shake it all up, mix it up. And after a time, you put it down on the counter, and what happens? It separates. You, you can't, because this word that we believe, not, not, not our religion. We, we don't believe in religion. We believe in God's word. We, we quote from the prophet, but friends, it's a walk with God. It's the voice behind the voice speaking to us. We're not following a man. We follow Jesus Christ. And Brother Random was not Jesus Christ. So let's not mix that in together and try to make it work. It's not going to work. So God is calling us to separate from the world, from the things of the world. Separate from that. It won't mix together. But God wants separates. He wants people to separate themselves from sin. Can you say that word sin? And from the world. Now, did you read anywhere that said that God wants you to separate from your relatives? Did you read that anywhere? No. no. God says, I want you to separate from sin. I don't want you to agree with the sin. I don't want you to agree with the moral decay. I don't want you to agree with that, you know, the liberties of a, 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 a blue state. I want you to live free. And freedom comes by the word, and you need to separate from all of that sin. You get what I'm saying here tonight. You need to separate from the sin and from the world. Come out from amongst them and be separated, saith God. Touch not their unclean things. God calls for separation. So leave your... Your countrymen leave. It was the command of God to Abraham. Leave it all. Separate. You got to go, and I'm going to show you in a land, and I am going to bless you. Amen. Blessed are they. I want to be a person that's blessed. Amen. I want to live in the blessings of God. Verse two, our scripture reading. Now we'll find out. Genesis twelve two would say, "And I will make thee a great nation." Now, the inheritance, I want you to recognize that Sarai, which is Sarah by name change, Sarah was barren. There was no life in her womb. They, they'd been trying and trying. And but God had called and said, I, if you leave it all, I'm giving you a promise. 
I want you to come over here and I want you to see the stars in the heaven. I want you to see the sands of the sea. I want you to see what I'm going to give you. How is it going to work, God? How are you going to work this in my life? God said, it's not for you to know. I'm just going to do it. So it's a walk by faith, and God has said, you're going to be a great nation, and I will bless thee. Again, oh, I love those words, bless thee. And I'll make thy name great, and and thou shalt be a blessing. All right, now we're going to read again in Israel and the church in 1953, as it would be on the screen. It would say, and all the land, that land amongst all those people, God found favor in one, one man found favor with God, rather. Now I want you to notice that in the beginning of Christianity of the church, I want you to notice it wasn't because Abraham was a good man. It was because God elected and chose Abraham. Now find yourself in Abraham tonight, okay? It wasn't Abraham's choosing God. It was God choosing Abraham. You, you, you want to recognize because God, God, you know, Abraham never said, where are you, God, where? He wasn't strolling back and forth, pounding his chest. No, he was kind of content there with his father and his mother, and he was content in crafting other gods. But it was God himself that appeared to Abram or Abraham and began to speak to his heart. Now, when God speaks to your heart, you can't stay still. Now, now think of you tonight. I mean, some of you were out somewhere in the world, someplace, some places, you know, where, where, you know, maybe you're like the woman of the well, or maybe you're one that was drunken over here, or, or maybe you were just a, a you know, a, a churchgoer. I don't know where you was in your life. But somewhere you might have been just really content in the, in the, in, in the way that you're going or how that you were being raised. But somehow God began to speak to you. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Anybody there when God began to speak? Well, you know what? I was raised a Christian all my life, but I can pinpoint to you where God began actually speaking to me and not just to my dad. Come on now. My dad has been a Christian all his life, and he, he, he came out of Pentecost and came to the message uh, that was preached in this hour. He was a Christian all his life. But I want you to notice that, you know, raised in that environment and hearing the Bible and hearing the prayers up to God and hearing God speak to us in different ways privately in our homes wasn't enough for me. It had to be God wooing to me a place where I could have my attention called to. That I could recognize that Almighty God was speaking to me. And when that happened, suddenly something changed inside of me. I couldn't explain it to you. I couldn't tell you what happened just that day. Oh, but something became different. What was it? Was I in a church service? Yes. Was I praising like I always do? Yeah, going through the motions. But something that came by my way in my seat that time was the Holy Spirit to begin to just gently speak to my heart in a way that Steve Clark could understand. How about you tonight? God began to speak to you. Brother Marcus, we were in the same meetings when God began to speak to me. We were in Europe up there, and God began to move. And, and, and you know, I went for a holiday. I went to meet other young people. In fact, I went to meet other young ladies. I was scoping out the land. Oh, my, Sister Hannah's all embarrassed. But, friends, we were just young people, and young people like other young people. We were out there to do those things, but God, by his miraculous, excuse me, miraculous power came down and changed the program for me. 
He changed it all. And we begin to sing and worship God for a new purpose and a new reason. And I'm testifying of that to you so that you can come out of your shell tonight. And you can recognize that it was God that did the same thing for you somewhere. I don't know where it was. I testified of what it was for me. But for you somewhere, God caught your attention and began to speak to you and woo to you. He didn't say all at once, leave father, leave mother, get out of it. No, you would have been scared to death. But if he, when he began to woo you and call you and build a relationship with you, right? Begin to talk with you, and before you know it, you were willing at a first love to do anything for the Lord Jesus. When he said, repent, I repented. When he said, go be in the watery grave and come through the gate of water baptism, I was happy. I moved to that gate, and I said, where can I be baptized? Just like that Ethiopian eunuch. Where is the water? I want to be baptized. And when I came out of that water, the promise was unto me that I could have his nature, his life. And it was a calling, a cry, Lord, I'm not satisfied just to sit here in a sanctified condition. I'm not, you know, under a Methodist message. I'm not, I'm not just sitting here. Lord, I want to move into the promised land where the Holy Ghost encapsulates my life. And I can walk and now I can overcome. What am I overcoming? I'm overcoming my own self every day. The greatest, hallelujah, sis, the greatest enemy that we have in our lives, the prophet tells us, is our own self. And Satan anoints our being. Satan gets right in there and just causes chaos within our minds. The greatest battle that would ever be fought is your mind. And Satan gets all in there and confuses you, being your own uh, worst enemy to you. But God comes in there and says, you know what? If you separate yourself, to the word and keep the, the word of God as the laws of God in your heart you will have blessings and you will overcome and you will possess the land that's the promise of God so no matter where you are right now spinning in your little word world that you have I want you to look to the word of God and recognize it was God that was wooing you just as he wooed Abraham so Abraham was a good man it wasn't because Abraham was good. It was because God elected and chose Abraham. It wasn't Abraham choosing God. It was God choosing Abraham. Can you see it? Can you see it? Can you see it? And now watch. Now as was then, so it is today. It isn't you choosing God. It's God choosing you. Now, this may be very strong, and I want you to notice, immediately after choice, election, it's separation from everything else. As soon as he calls, as soon as he calls, he elects calls. And when he calls, he separates you from everything that hangs on to you. I don't have that desire to smoke no more. I don't have no more desire to drink. I have no more desire to cheat or to steal. I, I have no more desire to wander to and fro. I don't even have a desire to be out of church. I can't wait to get in the house of God. Why, haven't you got something else to do in your life? Well, I got plenty to do in my life. But I was glad. I was glad. I was glad when they said, I mean, my, my heart is over. I think every single day, well, when is Wednesday coming? Not just because I get, you know, I, I got the opportunity to speak, the greatest opportunity to speak to God's people. Uh, that's wonderful. But that's not, I get to commune together with God, with my, my fellow brothers and sisters, the body of Jesus Christ. What, what more can we want? 
I mean, people of the world, they get up there and they, they get into places where they gamble. They go with their friends and they gamble and have a drink together, or swing some golf clubs or throw a, a bowling ball or shoot some pool or do something like that every day of the week and they call it fun. And for temporary moments, that may be fun to them, but there's no lasting effect there. When you drink the alcohol and it gets in your system, you feel real good and you feel like you could conquer the world. But when it leaves your system, all you can do is find misery and treachery and feeling of loss. But in the presence of God, where there's liberty, in the household of faith, in the promised land, God doesn't give you just a temporary satisfaction of a fix. Now, if you're going to a church that just gives you the satisfaction of a fix, or you're serving a God that you feel that's just giving you a fix for the moment, maybe like an opium or some sort of drug, friends, you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place. It's a place where God continually is working with you. Oh, when I'm driving in the car, sometimes I feel a little bit embarrassed. My wife is sitting next to me, and Lael sitting in the back, and we're listening to a song, and, and it strikes my heart, and suddenly the tears begin to flow. Man, i got to watch the road. I can't really hide myself, and the tears begin to flow. Why is it because of the music? No, because I've been reflecting on something that God has said the previous Sunday, or something that I read in my Bible, or something the prophet of God has spoken, and it begins to move in my being, and I can't control myself that's the that's the spontaneity of praise that i want is when the word strikes my strikes my heart that i respond come on now friends i i like to sit in a dry dry meeting sitting right there and all of a sudden the word of god you think brother steve you don't like a little noise yeah i like noise but i like the god of noise and i like the god of silence and I can sit right there and I've expressed, I've been there, friends. I've sat in a meeting and I'm listening to the pastor preach and he's going and he's going and he's preaching and I, man, I'm preaching with him. And my heart, you ever been there? And your heart is there, you know the scriptures because you're in the word. You know the message quotes because you're in the message. You know, you know, you know, hallelujah. And it begins to strike, Sister Cynthia, in your heart. And before you know it, Brother Mark, you're up on your feet and you're praising God. You're clicking your heels and everybody looks around, what happened to him? Why? Because there was a stimulus of revelation. God moving, God moving, God moving. Amen. Praise His name. That's what we want. That's what we want. That's what we desire for. God would move spontaneous in your life. Now some of you might not even move an inch. You might just sit there. You don't know what to do, but something's burning in your heart. That's as good as the shouter. That's as good as the guy that clicks his heels. Some, but something, something has to burn within you. If it doesn't burn within you, it's a dead, dry religion. The Spirit of the Lord begins to move in our hearts. We want Him to move like that in our being. I just went down a pathway, but we've got to come back. Oh, praise His name. He separates you from everything that hangs on you. That proves that it isn't a denomination. It isn't two or three people together. He expects an individual. Our walk is by ourselves. Like we, friends, we no longer can live in this sort of thing. Well, if my mother believed it, I'll believe it and I'll be saved. Well, you know, if I'm just good to somebody, I hear this lots lately. I'll just be good to somebody. If I'm good to somebody, well, you know, I'll, I'll, listen, just a cup of cold water is not your calling today. <laughs> 
Listen, there are those out there that don't know the truth. They don't have no inkling of truth. And God has let them just live a good life. And if they, you know, help you tow your car or fix your tire or give you a cup of cold water, God will reward them for helping up those that believe. But that's not our calling. Neither are you and I called under a foolish virgin stance. Where we can live whatever we like and our oil has run out and, and you know, so, well, I, you know, I just, I believe it, but I can't live it. And, oh, no, no, that, that's not what you're called to. I'm not called to go through a tribulation. If you're not acting the word of God out right now, when the tribulation comes and those two prophets show up, you're not going to live the gospel then. <laughs> so don't count on just, you know, being a foolish virgin, good to the bride. No, you've got to be a person that allows Christ as, as an individual to work through. It's an individual, individual affair with every person. <laughs> it isn't because my mother there is saved that I'm saved. It isn't because God chose me in Christ. I want to see you, I want you to see not you choosing yourself. Not your choice, not much. how much you prayed. Can I read that again? It's not how much you prayed. When you turned a new page, you had nothing to do with it. God, oh my. When you get this to see that's truth, you say, you mean that? I, I don't turn to the Lord. No, sir. You had no way at all of turning to the Lord. Your whole nature, your whole makeup was against God. You're born in sin. Your whole nature was directed towards the lusts of this flesh. God called you. Wow, we should just rejoice now. Everyone that's in the building here today or maybe that will be streaming or streaming today, anyone that can see the revelation of the word for this hour across the world, it's not just to this church, it's not just limited to this, this location, no, this is a global thing. The message of the hour has circled the world seven times. It's God has called you, you are part of his family, and you receive it by having an individual experience, experience after experience. It's not just just a one-time thing. It's a continually overflowing experience with God. That makes us happy. That makes us joyful. Because every day of our lives, we're having an experience with God. Hallelujah. It's always been that way. Can we go on just a minute? In verse 3, we would read Genesis chapter verse uh, 12, verse 3. It was says, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curse thee. Yeah. Now read this now together with me. In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. This is from God. I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that will curse thee, and in thee all of the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, the blessings, not just to Abraham's natural seed. Now, it's not just to those that are of the Jewish nation, no. God now has, has a family called the royal seed of Abraham. How, how, how did we become the royal seed of Abraham? Well, it was through Christ Jesus that we came through and we become called to be the royal seed of Abraham. 
Oh, friends, we could go deep into that, but we just got to stay on task for a moment. So all the families of the earth are now blessed in Abraham, are blessed because of the seed that came forth of Abraham all the way down to Christ Jesus. Now, well, there was a prophecy right here that we read that through Abraham's seed there would come one who would bless all nations. You know, Abraham couldn't bless all nations by his... No, there was a prophecy. Now, if you need to be able to see spiritually what God was doing in Abraham's life and type it all the way through Scripture like we should and find ourselves to the way of the cross because everything of the Scripture points to the cross. Even the layout of the tabernacle in the wilderness and in the temple was all laid out to depict Jesus Christ. So we look at the nations and how God put things together, not by accident. There's no accidents. So we find that Abraham begets Isaac, and Isaac begets Jacob, and Jacob begets Judah, and Judah begets David, and David begets Jesus Christ, or the lineage of Jesus Christ. Now, by spiritual revelation, we begin to find out that that there was no blood seed of David in Jesus, but it was the lineage. It was where Jesus lived lineage was laid out friends and Mary being the incubator God's very own life was spoken right into Mary this was not uh, uh, some superstition or uh, some you know uh, uh, sort of pagan thing that went on no there was no sexual nothing going on there was no angel that came to Mary and placed a seed inside of her by any sexual means it was the spirit of God by the spoken word of God the life of God that said Mary you shall conceive now the word came upon her But she needed to respond. Without a response, her body could not be filled with the spoken word of God. She needed to act upon the the word of God just like you and I do. Every service that we begin to hear the word of God, we need to have the same response as Mary. Be it unto me according to your word, Lord. That was her confession. There was no stimulation of her flesh. There was no, you know, uh, uh, something coming out of heaven and taking her and making her a bride. No, it was God speaking his voice to her and she received it with gladness. And that began to grow within her belly. Now, Joseph... He, he was confused. Uh, we were, we, this is, could be a Christmas message, but Joseph was a little confused because he knew that he had never been with her. And he was just wondering when she began to speak to her and say, oh, you know, this is what happened. The angel of God spoke to me and I responded. And, you know, there was confusion inside of her mind and, and inside of his mind. But I want you to notice when the angel of God came to him and gave his own personal revelation, he couldn't be on Mary's revelation because he would have put her away privately. Can you see that? But by the revelation that God gave to him through a voice of an angel, a messenger. Oh, friends, use your spiritual minds here tonight. The messenger spoke to him and said, what is that of Mary is of God. And when he heard the voice of God, he was willing to cling to Mary no matter of the situation. He no longer wanted to put her away. He was proud to be called her espoused husband and they begin to walk and Jesus would begin to be born now in Zechariah chapter 13 verse 1 
It would say in that day, we're talking about now Abraham's royal seed. How, how did we become part of this promise? And in that day there shall be a fountain open, speaking of Jesus Christ, open to the house of David. There's going to be a fountain open in the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for the sin and for the uncleanness. If you can get to the fountain and you can dip and you can drink, you will be cleansed. It's not just a stirring of the water by the pool of Bethesda that they're trying to get to and it's by your works and I can't get there. No, it's Jesus, the very life source, the fountain of life, coming to you in your weakness, wooing you and saying, I am the life. I am the bread. I am the water. There at the well, woman at the well, we call her. When Jesus began to speak to her and begins to discern her heart and he begins to tell her that, you know what, you've had five husbands and the one husband that you're living with is not your husband. Friends, when she looked at that, she was not looking for another man. She was up to her ears with men. I don't know what happened in her life that traced her down and she was never satisfied. She could never get what she needed. Or maybe she was abused by men and this and that. But when she came to Jesus and he began to speak words of life to her, it was the seventh man that had come to her and she was not, she was so willing to take him into her heart. It wasn't by sexual desire, no. It was the Spirit of God moved individually in her heart and she said, I don't need a natural man, a natural man will fail me. A natural man will be cruel to me. But there is one Jesus that spoke to me at the well and told me the things that I have done. And she dropped the old life. She dropped the water pot. Then she ran into the city and she began to praise God. She began to worship in sincerity with arms stretched wide. Hallelujah. Because the king of righteousness had come by her way. There is a fountain open in the house of David that we could be called the royal seed of Abraham and find our possession, not naturally, but spiritually, in a promised land. Let's quit there. Lord Jesus, so much to say. And if I move forward, Lord, I'll keep the people too long. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that you bless these words and may, may, may they do something to our hearts tonight, Lord. May, hallelujah. We praise your name, Lord. Oh, that thrills my soul is Jesus. Oh, he is more than life to me. Lord, I sing this to you with my heart. Oh, the fairest unto the 10,000, Lord. Lord, can just couldn't do nothing for me, but, Lord, when you called me, Oh, my heart desired to be separated from all unbelief and walk into a land, Lord, that you had promised. You said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. By no other name, not by the titles of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but by the name. Be ye baptized in the name. We followed the name. We, we searched out that name. Where is that name? It's got to be somewhere. Where do you identify, Lord? Oh, that's what I did. Where do you identify, Lord? And I saw Jesus Christ to be that name. And I looked through the Scripture, Lord, and I saw the blood trail. I saw the natural lamb. I, I saw how that you killed and allowed the sacrifice for sin, but then you drove Jesus to the cross. And for the cross' sake, I could be saved. And it's by his name, no other name, that I can be saved. Oh, I praise your name, Lord. I minister now to the people in Jesus Christ's name. 
name. May they receive the revelation that they need for the hour. Lord, maybe it be tonight and or maybe it be in study some other time. But may they receive revelation into their hearts that they will come into the place, Lord, of stature. As Peter said, as a stature of a perfect man with the agape capstone love upon their lives. Oh, God, this is a people ready to go possessing their inheritance. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.